Welcome to Refresh, Coastal Conversations on Faith, Life, and Justice. We're sister friends on opposite sides of the country, talking honestly and openly about our experiences. (laughs) Now that's refreshing. Hello, Zandra. It is so good to be with you today. How are you? Hey, girl. I'm doing well. How about you? I am doing well. Busy start to the year, but I'm excited to be here to have this conversation with you today. Oh, me too. We've been looking forward to getting back together and being able to make this recording. It's so excited to begin something anew, knowing that you're operating in the will of the Lord. I'm just really looking forward to what God is going to do through this podcast. Absolutely. I was thinking this morning how it seems like many moons ago we had our initial conversation. Mm-hmm. And, and here we are recording. So I'm um, <laughs> to kick our listeners off, why don't we spend some time just telling them a little bit about who we are? So we'll start with you. I'd love for you to just kind of take us on a walk down memory lane. Who is the Reverend Dr. Zandra Jordan? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> um, you know, I, I am my parents' daughter. I, I think I really would have to begin in that place. Uh, my parents, Lindsay and Audie Jordan, uh, they both grew up in very poor, uh, small towns in Georgia and met and moved to Atlanta and started a family. Um, so they're from the country, um, but I am a city girl and they both came from families that were very rich in faith, um, you know, and so they passed that on to their children. So I feel like I was born in the church. Uh, The family knew me, uh, the church family rather, knew me uh, before I, you know, entered into the world. And that's a blessing. It's a blessing to have a core or family group of people that, you know, uh, want God's best for you. And they're really um, helping you to develop and mature uh, into what God would have you be. So I felt like I had that support growing up. Um, but I, I grew up in a Baptist church uh, in the South. I'm from Atlanta, as I mentioned. And you know, we know Southern Baptist churches. <laughs> Traditionally, uh, they tend to be pretty patriarchal. And my church wasn't any different. Um, I remember uh, a female minister at our church who really was referred to as an evangelist at that time who would take her chair and sit it at the base of the pulpit facing the congregation. And as a young girl, I didn't really understand what that was about, what she was doing, but I did notice that only men sat in the pulpit and that for church socials and events after church, um, all of the male ministers would sit together. She, she was not a part of that. And as I grew, I realized that that was her protest that she was offering a visible demonstration of of her right to be a minister of the gospel. Uh, She was was protesting against that discrimination. You know, I went on to school, undergrad in Atlanta, um, went off to graduate school and remained faithful and a part of churches and fellowships, um, taught, high school English for several years, eventually made my way uh, to the University of Michigan, Ann Arbor for a doctoral program 
and again, joined up with a church. You know, that's one of the things that I learned uh, pretty young and it stuck with me that when you move someplace else, um, you then join with the church under watch care. Yeah. Because somebody needs to be watching after your soul (laughs) and just being sure that you continue to walk with God and develop in that relationship. And so I was always uh, careful to do that. And in Michigan, I joined up with uh, Second Baptist Church of Ann Arbor, uh, and it still holds a very dear place in, in my heart because that's where I received and accepted the call to ministry. Yeah. Um, you know, what was different about that church and kind of the first time that I experienced it is that they made no distinction between men and women in ministry. So when it became apparent that God was calling me, you know, the church recognized it before I did. And the pastor pulled me aside and said, we see, we see this. Wow. Um, I've already had a conversation with the deacons. And wow. so when you are ready, come <laughs> on forward. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> and I remember being um, unnerved when he told me, uh, you know, he basically um, spoke the scripture to me and said, Uh, Zandra, you can't hide your light under a bushel. And I was just a little like, I don't want to hear that, you know, (laughs) within myself. But then I, I went home um, and uh, to my, where I was living in Michigan, not home to Atlanta. And I had a week of prophetic dreams. I mean, literally it was the exact same dream Um, night after night after night, and it was me preaching. And there's so many vivid details connected to that. Um, But it, I knew that God was doing something. And I went back to my pastor and said, this is what's going on. I'm having these dreams. It's always the same dream. It's been going on for a week. And here's what's happening in the dream. And, you know, he says, I just, you know, it's just more confirmation that God is calling you to preach. You know, are, are you ready to make that declaration? Just walk on up to the front of the church. And I was still like, what is God doing? You know, what is going on right now? You know, I was completing uh, my program. It was a joint uh, PhD in English and education. And I was, you know, near the end. Um, I had already applied for a full-time position Um, And so I saw my life going in a particular direction. And then this happened. Right. Now, I can't say that it was entirely surprising to me. I was going to use me in some capacity, Mm -hmm. but I didn't expect to receive the call to ministry in that way. And at that time. And so I, I took another week and then very timidly walked up to the front of the church Uh, after, you know, you do the customary opening the doors of the church. And so, you know, the congregation, they're watching me walk up. And I just imagine people were thinking, I thought she was already saved. What's she doing walking (laughs) up here, you know? (laughs) And I walk up and the pastor passes me the mic. And there were um, a few uh, young men who had accepted the call prior Mm -hmm. to me, who were also students at... um, University of Michigan. And, uh, you know, they were like looking with anticipation, like, we think she gonna do it. <laughs> and he gives me the mic. And I just said, 
I'm just here to say I'm accepting the call to preach. And then I just passed the mic back real quick. Mic pass, like I was so <laughs> was so timid. And everybody just they just cheered. You know, they were so supportive. Um, so supportive of me. Um, because I had been very active in the church. They knew me. Um, I was teaching Sunday school, I was uh singing in the choir, you know, I was a very visible part of the life of the church. And so when God called me, um, they really were a witness and a supportive witness to what God was doing in my life. And so I, you know, I had a supportive pastor who just let me know that times were changing. And although my experience was that there wasn't a place for women in ministry, so that must not be what God is calling me to do. Uh, you know, I had even had uh, a suitor in undergrad who was like, well, that's great that you were invited to speak at this church, but you know, you're not called to preach. Right. And, you know, I, I was young and didn't really know how to respond to that at the time. Um, but, you know, God saw fit to steer me clear of people who wouldn't be supportive of where God was yeah. taking me. So I accepted the call. Um, I moved uh, back to Atlanta because I, I got a job at my alma mater. Um, Spelman College. And so, you know, it had been my dream to return there to teach. And I did in the English department. Um, and then the Lord transitioned me to seminary. And I went to seminary full time and, you know, had the transformative healing experience that I needed to segue, segue me to the next phase in my life yeah. that God had for me. Um, seminary was everything that people who have gone through it say. Um, it was traumatic in all the right ways. <laughs> yes. uh, it, it stripped me down, you know, and then built me back yeah. up. And I, you know, you don't know how much you don't know until you start that level of study. And then you're like, oh, wow, yeah. I really do see through a glass darkly. Yeah. Um, I don't know nearly as much as I thought I did about this faith walk um, and what it means to carry out this call. Uh, faithfully. And so it was the experience I needed. Um, I went through a, a serious illness while in seminary. There was just a lot that happened. And I came out of it more certain than ever um, that this little life of mine was in God's hands and that God wanted to do something with it. Um, so there was some time period of lack um, and struggle and waiting to see what God was going to do. And I was just amazed, you know, after several years um, of sickness and, and uh, economic struggle and all of those kinds of things, but always with the love of God and the support of my family to find that after that period, God had something for me that I didn't see coming. You know, I was working, um, I had gone from being uh, a full-time professor to uh, having a part-time uh, position um, directing a, a writing center mm -hmm. um, at a, a seminary. And, um, I, you know, I did not know that God was going to use that to prepare me for what was coming next. And so that job developed. It became more than what it was when I first uh, took it on. Um, but still, it was not... Uh, on the same parity with where I had been uh, before 
I went to seminary and stepped out on faith and did that. And the Lord blew my mind and called me West. (laughs) The confirmations were so definitive that I knew if I did not go, Mm -hmm. I just would be outright disobedient to what God was doing. I, I just could not deny that that was what the Lord had for me. And so I picked up and I moved to California by myself. Um, All of my family lives in Atlanta. And that may be an uncommon thing uh, for families that are, you know, you're spread out. uh, Children, siblings grow up and they they get married. They move to different states, different cities, what have you. Uh, My entire immediate family is in Atlanta. So for me to move away from my parents and siblings, my 13 nieces and nephews all by myself. It was, it was huge. Um, And I was, I couldn't believe that I was doing it. Um, But I did it afraid. And I did it because I didn't want to have any regrets. That is kind of the repeating mantra of my life. I don't ever want to look back and say, oh, What if I had tried? I was too afraid to try and I missed out. Mm -hmm. And so I went um, just with faith and my suitcases (laughs) and watched God move. And I'm now in my fourth year um, directing a writing and speaking center at Stanford University. And and when I tell you, uh, it wasn't my aspiration. It was God's for me. I wasn't trying to make some boss moves, trying to move up. That was the Lord's doing. Um, I was comfortable where I was. I wanted more financial security, um, but I didn't particularly have desires to leave Atlanta and leave the comfort of my family. God moved me out. And so I I felt like um, I was Abraham being told to leave his family and leave his country and go to the land where God would show him. And God had impressed that passage of scripture on me uh, when I was in a master's program at Brown University. It came back to me when I made that move. I knew that it meant something for my life, but I just didn't know when I was going to experience it. And when the Lord called me West, that came back to me and I was like, ah, here it is. You know, you've sent me out to this land and it is a land unlike Anything that I had experienced prior, it it just is not the South. Um, There's a very different culture. People interact with you differently. um, And it has been an adjustment. Um, But what I have seen out West is that the Lord has made room for me and opened avenues for me in ministry. I had that question uh, for the Lord, you know, what is moving to the West Coast going to mean for me in ministry because I was used to being a part of a church, a a sizable church. Um, And, you know, I was um, the minister of Christian education and frequently taught Bible study as well and uh, was often called upon to preach in the pastor's stead, um, who happened to be uh, my brother in the ministry. We were both licensed uh, under the same pastor uh, at uh, the University of Michigan. And so when we were both, we were both there as students. And so when he uh, moved to Atlanta and was called to a church, I went to visit and support. And then the Lord ended up 
you know, impressing upon me, go ahead and join and, you know, be a part of this ministry. So I left that church where I was so at home um, and beloved and I love them, you know, still and moved to where I didn't know anybody. And so I had that question about God, what are you going to do? Before my feet hit the ground, I already had like a, a, a speaking engagement. Like the Lord was working things out. Yeah. People who were from California or who knew the pastor of the church um, where I ended up uh, uniting in fellowship, you know, they sent word ahead unbeknownst to me. And I'm in the air making my, my transition across coast and things are already being worked out. I have preached more <laughs> on the West Coast than I ever did in Atlanta. And it just, you know, affirmed for me that God has something for me there. So I don't know how long that journey will be, but I have no questions that I'm where I'm supposed to be. And so I guess that's what I would say about myself, that uh, this life uh, that I have led, I've been um, pretty aware of needing to seek God about different steps. Typically, they are the the big moves. And so I must say, I've, I'm not sure that I have been as mindful in the little things or what seemed to be little to me. But when I needed to determine, well, what graduate program? Well, what job? Um, this has come my way. Is that for me? You know, I've been very intentional about praying and sometimes praying and fasting about those next steps and then waiting for the confirmation from God before I step out. And that has made me very confident that the path that I have walked has been the one that God wanted for me. Um, so, I mean, that's me in a nutshell. I, you know, my life has been one of faith and one of study, um, at both as a student and as a teacher. Uh, so I'm, I'm in both worlds. I'm still in higher education, um, though I'm more so on the administrative side now. Um, I am a single woman um, who also feels a, a call to pastoral ministry. Um, and we'll see what the Lord does with that. I would like to have a family of my own. And so I just put that out into the atmosphere. <laughs> it's no secret to God, you know, or to you, I know. <laughs> um, uh, but right now, you know, what I'm doing is trying to live as faithfully as I can. And, and walk out what God has for me because I know God loves me and gives me his best. And so whatever uh, I, I don't have, it is not for me at this time. But any moment now, it doesn't take God very long. <laughs> the Lord can just break out something new. You know, <laughs> I didn't see my Stanford journey coming and here it is. And so uh, I know that we're not done yet. And God has much more in store. And I'm excited about it. I'm humbled about it. I don't have the full vision. I just have a knowing in my spirit and I'm trusting God with what comes next. So that's a little piece about me. I sure would love to hear about you though, girl, because you got a story and you know, I'm just delighted that we got a chance to meet and enter into this journey together. So I want to you know, pause and invite you to share your story. And maybe we can also just tell the people a little bit about how we came to do this podcast in the first place. So um, I'll catch my breath right here and we'll get ready for round two. Zandra, thank you so much for sharing your story. I 
have heard it so many times and every time I hear it, you add something new, which I imagine many of us do. And I'm still just as much um, overwhelmed by your journey. As you were talking, I thought about a song that Tasha Cobbs Leonard sings, and I think the name of it is Blow My Mind. And now I thought of as you're sharing just how God has moved in such amazing ways in your life and taking you higher and higher, even even in your current position. And to know that this is not the end, this is not your final destination. So thank you for for sharing that. So thanks for listening. Absolutely. I am Sabrina T. Cherry. It has taken me a long time to be able to say who I am and whose I am. As a a teacher first, a writer and a speaker. I grew Mm-hmm. small rural community in South Carolina and when I say small I mean less than a thousand people we have traffic wow. lights <laughs> one school <laughs> district the beauty of this was that I grew up with my immediate family most of my immediate family my entire life I have friends that I've known since kindergarten we started kindergarten together and we graduated from high school together so small community very close-knit lots of family lots of immediate family and lots of extended family Around the age of eight or nine, my mom started letting me spend the summers in Brooklyn, New York, and Mm. Philadelphia, Pennsylvania with my family. And that, as I think back, that was really transformative because it showed me that there's so much more to the world. Here I am thinking that I'm seeing all the things and doing all the things, but there was so much more. And so when I think back, I'm grateful for those experiences because they let me know, okay, yes, you are, you're doing well in terms of family and your protection with your family and you are happy as happy as an eight or nine year old can be, but there's yes. more to this life. So I finished high school and um, growing up in a small town can also be smothering. <laughs> everyone knows everyone, <laughs> and it seems like everyone knows everything. And yes. just a bit of a break from that. I had taken two trips, maybe three to Atlanta, and I knew I wanted to be in Atlanta close enough where I could come back and visit my family, but not too close where they could pop up. So... <laughs> I moved to Atlanta to attend Morris Brown College, and it was the perfect Mm -hmm. fit for me. At that time, Morris Brown had around 2,000 students, and so that was much bigger than my little high school that had about 400 students, but not as big as University of Georgia that has, you know, at that time when when I attended grad school, around 36,000 students. Morris Brown worked well for me. I felt like I was at my second home. I felt the nurturing of the community, even my professors were so tender and so caring with inviting us over for dinner and making sure that we hmm. go if we couldn't make it home for the holidays and just making sure that we stayed out of trouble. I really needed that <laughs> and I enjoyed that and I thrived within that environment. Mm-hmm. And up until my junior year or so, I had plans of going to law school I was advised in that way. I watched all the television shows and so I thought that I knew about the legal profession, but I interned with the district attorney and I hated my internship. I thought, okay, well, this, this ain't gonna work. (laughs) (laughs) So one of my professor's wife said, why don't you look into Peace Corps? At that time, I knew I wanted to travel. I've never been out of the U.S. before, nor did I have the financial means to spend two years abroad. Okay, well, let me look into this endeavor while I applied to Peace Corps. The Peace Corps application was so cumbersome until I ended up just saying, I'm not going to pursue taking the LSAT or looking at law school at all. Let me just put all of my eggs in this one basket. Mm-hmm. I completed my Peace Corps application, got accepted, and left for the Gambia, West Africa. I would mm-hmm. say up until this point and from much into, much into my adult life, I was a Sunday Christian. 
I grew up in church. We went to church almost every single Sunday. I knew that it was a part of what I was supposed to do. So I went to church. I said my prayers as often as I remembered, but never once did I, do I recall picking up my Bible to read my Bible. Never once did I recall a strong, persistent and consistent inkling on my heart to live my life in any different way. So while Mm -hmm. the ritual of church and I knew the ritual of prayer, I never allowed the word to penetrate my heart and my life in such a way that there was this gross transformation. And that is key because I'll come back to that later, but it's really important that I sort of mentioned that I knew church, I knew of church, I knew to go to church, I knew to pray, I knew to cry out to the Lord. I never felt like I didn't have a, a place to, to cry out to. I didn't have a, a yeah. God that heard my desires, but it wasn't mm-hmm. like a, a seven day a week, 24 hour day, 365 a year sort of faith. Right. Back to Peace Corps, I go to the Gambia, West Africa, and it is all that you can imagine. Challenging in all the right ways, but just amazing to be living in West Africa, in a village, serving alongside other volunteers, learning a different language, living a different life, and so much more Mm -hmm. than my humble beginnings in this small town in South Carolina. And so one thing that I knew, even shortly into my Peace Corps stint, was that I want to work in public health. I've never heard of this Mm -hmm. discipline before. I don't know anyone who's working in this field, but this is what I want to do. So fast forward, apply to grad school, come back from Peace Corps, immediately go into grad school, complete my graduate education um, at University of South Carolina. And then I moved to Las Vegas to work at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, as their first wellness coordinator. Once again, just sort of stepping out. And so as you were talking, one thing I wrote down was bold faith. Mm-hmm. I've been lacking in my life in terms of my faith, but boldness was never one of them. And so it's like there would be an opportunity presented to me and I would say, okay, Lord, I will go. Send me, I'll go. So mm-hmm. Peace Corps came up, I'm like, send me to West Africa, I'll go. Las Vegas, <laughs> send me to Las Vegas. No, no. <laughs> so I moved to Las Vegas, I found a home church there, much like you, but still my faith was a part of my life a part of the ritual, but no major transformation, no consistent major transformation. All right. So stayed there for about a year and a half. And then I came back to the East Coast. And, you know, there's sort of some years that run together in terms of my career. I continued to thrive within the public health field. I continued to be offered multiple opportunities. I continued to do more than I ever imagined in terms of my career pursuits and just kind of popped around trying out different positions within the public health sector. Well, then life happened and we'll talk about this later, but much like you in 2012, my whole life changed. Morning, Mm -hmm. as I was reflecting on us recording this podcast, I thought in just about um, two weeks, I'll celebrate the anniversary of a very devastating life event that occurred. And that changed everything for me. It changed Mm -hmm. questions about faith. It changed my questions and challenged my questions about God. It challenged my belief about purpose and how we live our lives and who who our lives are for. What is our joy and our gratification and our gifts? What are they for and who are they for? So mm-hmm. I too, I, I resigned from my position and I went to seminary really to answer my own questions about who is mm-hmm. this God and what is happening in my life and how do I make sense of it? And at that time, I knew that I had to either find some sort of purpose in what was happening to me or with me or through me, or I did feel like it was going to literally kill me. The pain of of that event was going to take me out. Went to seminary and like you, blew my mind. (laughs) I didn't know how much I didn't know. But I met some amazing people, including you. And I really grew into my faith and I began to question a lot more. 
and just I embraced the fact that there was so much more that I didn't know. And one thing that I was clear about was that I was not called to be <laughs> that first semester. I was like, oh, this ain't for me. So but then I was like okay but why do you have me here at this expensive school (laughs) that I don't see any immediate sort of use of this this information this knowledge that I'm gaining so I went on to the University of Georgia earned my doctorate in public health and moved here Mm -hmm. to North Carolina Um, my first year and a half or so in North Carolina was much like the rest of my life once again you know Sunday Christian you know prayers, mm-hmm. new to cry out to God, very bold faith when it came to moving around and doing things, resigning, taking jobs, etc. But that's about as far as it went. And in the fall of 2018, I was offered an opportunity to go to the UK on a faculty exchange. And like I had done so many times before, I took that opportunity. I left in January to the date. I left in January of 2019. I left actually left on the 15th arrived in Swansea, Wales on the 16th of 2019, two two years ago. And those six months changed my life, Mm -hmm. changed everything about how I live, how I work, who I talk to, what we're talking about, what I do first thing in the morning, what I do last thing at night, my involvement in church, my surrender to Christ. It changed my entire life. And I yeah. now say that the Lord needed to take me across the pond, away from all the comforts of family and friends and my ritualistic life to really shape me into who God has called me to be. So now, even just being here with you on this podcast, any other things that I'm doing in terms of writing or teaching or speaking, it is all, yes, the fruit of long and probably arduous labor, <laughs> Lord, but things that really came together were packaged together in those six months in the UK. So that's where I am today. Like you, I'm also a single woman who is embracing my season of singlehood um, because I've spent so much time in life chasing other things. And so I'm a single woman uh, without children. I work full-time in academia and I love what I do, which is why I say that I'm a, a teacher first. That's very important to me that I remember the priority that that is a call in my life to teach and to mentor students and I get to enjoy beautiful beaches here in southeastern North Carolina and the riverfront and loving family and friends who are part of my immediate and extended network and who really help me to remember that I am loved, although I don't have a, a life partner, I am right. in so many other ways and blessed in so many other ways. So that is a bit about um, who I am and how at least I sort of entered into agreeing to participate in this podcast and I think we can tell the listeners a little bit more about sort of your vision, Zan, as you first received the message around the podcast, um, and then what we have in store as we wrap up this first episode. Yeah, I'd really like to speak to that, because just listening to you tell your story, um, which I've also heard before, um, but each time we tell it, you know, we're telling truths, of course, um, but the narrative is enriched as Uh, The spirit leads us in what to say. And I am overwhelmed all over again by what the Lord is doing in your life. I remember that period of transition for you. I mean, you were sharing some of your experience on social media and I responded and just shared how inspiring it was to see what you were going through. And that's one of the things that makes me excited about what God is going to do uh, with us through this podcast 
because we are both educators. We're both women of faith. We're both seminary trained. Uh, we're both single. And we have had different journeys uh, leading us to this point, right? We've both experienced uh, what for us was a significant trauma. You know, we've overcome obstacles and we've seen God blow our minds with the doors that have been opened for us, right? So I believe that we have perspectives to share about faith about life and about justice, which we haven't talked a whole lot about just yet, but it's something that we each care about. And part of our continuing friendship uh, has been uniting around um, the pain that we have experienced along with black and brown communities who have been suffering from uh, continued violence. And at the hands of those who should be, who have been charged with our protection, but haven't been protecting our people, our communities, as much as we have seen uh, for some others. And that is not to say that all law enforcement um, are, are bad. We know that they are not. Um, we may have members of our own families in certain larger uh, communities who are in law enforcement, and we love them and very much appreciate uh, the work that they do. And they are honest and hardworking and doing a tremendous work uh, in this world. But we know that there are also some elements within those ranks, as they are in every facet of society, that have been working against the thriving, the flourishing of people of color. And so it is something that matters to us. And so we really want to create a space where we can share from our vantage points about each of these areas. What does it mean for us uh, as Black women who are <clears throat> for something um, and, you know, <laughs> and are, are choosing to live faithfully with the Lord at this stage in our lives as grown women, yeah. right? Who experience all of the demands of that. And what does it mean to still be exploring um, career and know that we haven't reached the zenith of it? Right. And the Lord is doing something amazing. Um, we're both writers as well, right? And we're watching God develop um, our voices and put us uh, more so into the public realm through what we write and what we speak, because we both do that. So we just share so many commonalities, including our commitment to uh, justice and seeing a world that reflects God's will and God's purposes. So I'm excited to see what the Lord is going to do. Um, this podcast we know came about because uh, we were sharing together in a midweek devotional that I lead and you were calling in and there's a period during that devotional when people can uh, ask questions and make comments and we just have uh, a dialogic exchange. And as we were doing that, as we were each responding one to another, I just had this, this God-given vision. I could see us doing a podcast and there was something about our rapport that I knew I felt like we could do that on a podcast and so I shared it with you and it resonated with your spirit and that was it you know because we're both 
at a point in our lives where we're willing to go after what God has for us and, and leave all of the details and everything else up to the Lord. I mean, we'll do our due diligence, um, but we're not trying to miss anything that God has for us. And that makes me excited for each of us and also for what God has for us. So coming up in this podcast on Refresh is we want you all to feel refreshed by what you hear, to feel like you are revitalized and you can go on and seek out what God has for you. So we're hoping that uh, all that we share about faith and life and justice will bring about that kind of refreshing for your spirit and soul that inspires you to live a life that is more faithful to God's call on you. So that's what we're up to. And we look forward to sharing more. This is just our initial sneak peek. So come on back for the next round. Uh, God bless everybody. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's conversation. We hope you'll join us again next month. Until then, make sure you remain refreshed.